the school success formula with me, Lucy Parsons. Today, we're going to be talking about how to revise GCSE English, that's language and literature. And we've got expert English tutor, Helen Chaplin here. She's also the head coach of Life More Extraordinary um, to talk to us. And um, very excitingly, Helen is going to be running a GCSE English masterclass in the Extraordinaries Club on the 7th of April. And it's called Create Your English Revision Plan with Six Weeks to Go. So she's going to give us a little bit of a taster of what's going to be in that masterclass today and just give you some pointers and tips that you can follow. Welcome to the School Success Formula, Helen Chaplin. Thank you. Okay. So, um, Lucy, I think, I think it's the 5th of April we're doing it on. Oh, I keep getting yes, it wrong. It's the I, I know you've got it in your head that it's the 7th, but it's the 5th. It's the 5th. It's the 5th. Thank you, Helen, for correcting me. And Helen will turn up on the right day at the right time, even if I don't. So that's all all right. <laughs> OK, so Helen, tell us about yourself. Tell us why you're going to be teaching this masterclass for us. Well, I think really, I, I have always worked with words. I mean, that's that's my background. So my degree was English, literature and language that I studied at Oxford. And then after 10 years as a lawyer, I then changed to uh, train as a teacher. So I then spent 10 years in independent schools, kind of teaching English from year seven all the way up to year 13 and looking at kind of, you know, um, highly competitive kind of universities and that sort of entry. So during that time, um, I have ended up teaching kind of IGCSE, GCSE, all sorts of different specs. And obviously now as an English tutor, I've got a wide range of, of students who are doing all sorts of different specifications. And it really kind of strikes me that there's an awful lot of, of common material there because obviously the government want the skills to be the same and you've got you know to master that analysis to get the detail to get sort of evaluation there but also um i see a lot of students who are friends with people outside their school who are talking to each other and kind of going oh but we're doing this but we're doing this but we're doing this and i think at this point you know we're sitting talking in in late march and and running this masterclass in in early april it's really a good time to take stock and to kind of say, okay, what am I looking at doing? What, what am I already strong on? Where do I need to improve? How do I factor in that time to really practice those skills? So I'm really clear on what I'm doing. I'm not getting overwhelmed because you know, literature and language together can seem like a little bit of a kind of flood of information coming at you. How do I break it down? How do I stay on top of it? Definitely, because I've had parents asking me in the last couple of weeks, is it too late for this summer's exam? And the answer is, it is very definitely not too late. And, you know, what we're aiming to do with the masterclass and with what we're sharing on this podcast today is, you know, really help people break it down so that they can make the most of the time that is left for them, because there is a lot of good stuff that you can do, even in a limited amount of time. So, Helen, I think there's a very common misconception with English that you can't revise it. 
So can you revise English language first? That, that is the bane of most English teachers' lives, this idea of you can't revise English language. Um, again, some of it is more prevalent in terms of which specification you're doing. So if your specification tends towards getting unseen material and then a series of different questions, kind of there's always that little voice in your head that goes, well, I won't have seen it before. You know, I, you just have to turn up on the day and do it. There are some specifications where you've already had an anthology and you know that you're going to be asked to compare one of the articles or leaflets, especially at IGCSE, um, with some new material. But nevertheless, it's not an entirely kind of new experience. You always know that the exam is going to be testing certain skills. You know that there are going to be certain rules around the format of the paper certain kind of things that you can look at and say, okay, I know that the third question on this is always going to be a 12 marker or is always going to be a 15 marker or an eight marker. And it's going to look at this skill. Now, students who go into the exam really clear in their heads about what the focus of each of those questions is going to be, can look at the new material and they're not wasting time asking themselves, is that relevant? Is that not relevant? or writing kind of chunks of material that, that really the focus is wrong and they're not going to get any credit for. So really familiarizing yourself with the, the layout of the paper, the skills, and kind of what we're going to be looking at in the masterclass is how you can use the material that's online that you've got from your school and your teacher to kind of really get on top of, okay, this is what I'm doing for this question. So in the exam, you're properly targeted. Um, yeah. so, so revision for English, I, you know, I distinguish it from, say, science or geography in that those subjects are very, very knowledge based and you have to remember a whole load of stuff. Whereas English, there's perhaps less stuff that you actually have to remember, but there are skills that you have to practice. And the revision is about practicing the skills. Have I got that correct? In, in terms of the different um, papers, yes. OK, so if I always separate um, revision out into sort of content application and feedback and for content with English language, it's tempting to kind of go, oh, it's unseen. I don't need to learn any stuff. The content you're learning there is OK. If you're asked about, you know, what is the focus of this question, you know, the, the structure of this question, there are things that count as structure. If yeah. you're asked about language, there are the features that count as language. Yeah. There are certain um perspectives certain phrases and sentence starters you can learn to make sure you're on track with that material yeah if you flip around and you go to literature yes you've got this this kind of big bank of skills you know the the analysis the evaluation how to use context but with literature it's always going to be that detailed familiarity with the texts that you've been studying because i've, I've certainly seen very good students in the past do better on language because they've they've kind of known basically what they were doing and they could they could um make those decisions in the exam but then actually get a, a far lower grade on literature mm -hmm. because that's the one that you really can't wing for want of a better word you really can't kind of make it up if you haven't learned the plot or the story or that character you've got nowhere to go in the exam yeah, you've got to have read the book, basically. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to know the book. <laughs> Brilliant. OK, so every exam has a specification. And, you know, I, I, 
I teach a lot in the Extraordinaries Club about how to use specifications, but I, I think it's a little bit different for English. So can you talk us through how the specification can support your revision for English language and literature? Yeah, and, and the exam boards are good at making a kind of huge amount of material available online. So generally, you know, your, your, your starting point is to, is to check out what your exam board's releasing. Students tend to be um, a little bit kind of uh, less confident about something like English where it's not got a kind of right or wrong answer. So, you know, in science, you can you can see the progress of that, you know, in maths, you can see the working out and, and those different steps. But when I've done this in class with students and we've looked at a mark scheme, they're surprisingly accurate about where their answer is going to fit on that mark scheme. So once you've looked at it and, and made some decisions about pulling out the key things the examiner's looking for at each level, you can not only begin to mark your own work using that mark scheme, but you can begin to see what the difference is between what you're doing and what you need to do to get to the next level. Yeah. So some of the things we'll be doing in the masterclasses to look at making sure you can understand a sort of student friendly version of that mark scheme, that we take it out of the teacher speak mm -hmm. and say, OK, what does this look like practically at this level? You need to get, say, a 15 out of 20. So what's the difference between the 15? What's the difference between the 18? Where's the six out of 20? How do we get it to the 10 out of 20? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of learning how to decode it all. Yeah, yeah. And it's understanding, you know, like when you look at your own work, what, how many marks it will get and like having that kind of transparency and insight into, you know, <laughs> where are you? What are you achieving and what do you need to do next? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So um, what about the importance of timings? Because I know I get so many emails from people saying, you know, my child just really struggles with timings in exams it's you know every single year um i remember standing in front of classes kind of before mocks before end of year exams and saying you know some of you will mess up your timings whatever you do stick to this stick to that and everybody would sit there and kind of go that's fine and at the end of the exam you get three or four people coming up to you and go miss i messed up my timings um it's that idea that when you're trying to write an answer, you kind of get into that and you're thinking, I can just squeeze out, you know, the last couple of lines and it's OK, I'll just do a couple more points or I'll just finish that without realising that what you're actually doing is kind of storing up a problem for the final question. And a lot of these papers work kind of progressively. So the beginning questions are warm up ones for mm -hmm. um, smaller numbers of marks and the big ones are at the end. So the more you're kind of stealing two or three minutes here and there, the more you're kind of cheating yourself out of the time for a question that might be up to a quarter of your GCSE. Mm. And it's a real discipline itself, looking at the questions, being able to see, okay, this is my timing for the whole paper, be it regular time or any level of additional time that you're entitled to. These are the kind of times I'm going to spend reading something through or on each question and I'm going to learn those timings and when to change 
in the same way that I'm going to, you know, learn the list of things that I'm going to look for for question six or the list of things that I'm going to count as, as language features. And some of the kind of best students seen, you see a little kind of note down the side that they've learned that if their exam starts at one o'clock, they know they're going to give themselves until 10 past or until quarter past to read the paper actively. Then they've kind of just made a little note all the way through of their time so they don't get confused, they don't lose their way and they can kind of stick to it. It's easier to get marks when you're writing the start of a question than it is to try and squeeze the last mark, two or three marks out of the end of a question. Yeah, so and you're often better to move on to the next question. Yeah. You can pick up far more marks by starting a new question than by finishing the previous question, can't you? And I think that applies to pretty much every subject yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. That's great advice. So, um, you know, everybody is going to feel short on time by the 5th of April. I've got the date right now. And, uh, <laughs> um you know, every, they're trying to balance, you know, maybe 10, some students might even be doing 12 subjects. Like, it, what, how can you be realistic about what you can fit in, in terms of what you're doing with English and make it count, really? Well, the, the first thing, I think, is to look at your circumstances in school. And if you are doing two GCSEs, allow it the time to revise two GCSEs. Yeah, so English language and yes, English literature. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it yeah. may be that, you know, you're, you're in the position where for some reason you're doing one of them rather than both of them. But most schools kind of ask everybody to do both of them. Mm -hmm. And the first kind of step is, is kind of blocking that in in your revision timetable as two. Because, you know, for years and years, students come up and going, oh, but there's so much English. It's like, well, it's two. You know, you, you have to kind of give it the time. Um, the next thing to do is to really kind of um, be aware that because everybody does English, there's a huge amount of material out there to help you, which is both a really good thing and a really bad thing. <laughs> um, and it's knowing how to focus and how to run your own race rather than sitting in front of YouTube and, and clicking through different videos and different things. And, and you know, there's, there's so much good stuff out there. You can't possibly watch everything. Yeah, it's so. knowing when you've got the level of detail you need and kind of making yourself right. I want to do this, this and this and this and knowing when to stop on that, when to change skill, when, you know, incorporating your practice. It's not getting kind of worried by other people's approaches, um, by the people, because obviously everybody does English. So it's not like you've got your options group and, you know, you've got to know them over two years and everybody's kind of going, have you done this? Have you done that? This is potentially your whole year and all the whole social country. circle yeah, yeah, who's saying, you know, have you done? Have you done? So being really clear and focused about what you need to do. So you've got the confidence in yourself to say, well, OK, this person might be saying, have I learned this quote, this quote and this quote? But I haven't. But I don't need to because I'm happy that I can write about this. Yeah. Or I can write about that. So it, it, the key is kind of the, the clarity of preparation. 
and it's looking inside for that validation rather than looking outside as well and I I think that's really challenging for young people who are Mm. you know using comparison with other people as their kind of measure and but it really isn't healthy I've wrote a blog post and did a podcast about comparisonitis a while ago and you know the main thing you should be comparing comparing yourself to is yourself and just like where were you last week or last month or last year and how far have you come and you know you know have you got to where you need to be and that's the only healthy way to approach all of this really isn't it yeah yeah okay brilliant so yeah just it's just being really realistic but kind Mm. of looking within yourself and being honest with yourself about you know have you done what you need to do not what panicky friend over there is making you feel like you perhaps need to do okay brilliant so are there any common pitfalls in English well to English GCSEs and you know are there any quick fixes that you can share well, <laughs> if if I if I had the kind of snapping fingers then that would be brilliant um what we've talked about one which is the kind of timing idea yeah. the idea that you if you're writing um really really comfortably ask yourself is this too easy because a lot of students will quite happily slip into the um mode of telling me the plot of a christmas carol or you know it, it's writing really easily on romeo and juliet and macbeth because all of a sudden you're not thinking because it's the narrative you know, you, yeah, you, yeah. In any subject, if you're telling yeah. a story, you're not getting the marks. You need to be like talking about the story, not telling the story, yeah. don't you? Yeah. And the idea of not, um, we're not having a good handle on what's not enough and what's too much. You know, a favorite question all the time is, but how much do I have to write for this question? Right. Mm -hmm. And I've got examples of students work that's got full marks for the creative um, narrative and descriptive paper, which is really very short, um, but it's highly, highly crafted. I've got examples of of low scoring material or low graded material, which is pages and pages and pages and pages, which is very, very simple. So it's not as as easy as kind of saying, well, let's just weigh your exam script and see how much you've written. And that's going to be your mark. It's trying to kind of be, I suppose, again, confident enough in yourself to kind of say, okay, this is an eight mark question. I know that three good detailed paragraphs will do this I'll do those and then I'll move on and then sometimes that logic doesn't follow through in terms of you'll see one student script with an eight mark question and then the 12 mark question will be half the length and you'll sort of go hang on and what you know how did that add up so it's really kind of setting your expectations of of each paper with some degree of confidence and then not kind of bowing to those Um, students who don't learn the stuff that they really could learn who find themselves scrabbling around in the exam um, to try and say something because they weren't confident in in what they uh, could look for so you know the old but I couldn't I couldn't talk about it because there were no features in this it's like well actually you were just looking for similes and if you just go in thinking I'm going to spot some similes here and there aren't any, there's a whole host of other really interesting things to do with language that the writer could be doing. But, you know, there were, there were no features, meaning there were no similes. So, you know, broadening your kind of ideas of, of 
what you, you can do and being confident in those. Um, I think as well, just not appreciating the focus of the question, you know, kind of going off and it's, it can be heartbreaking when you're marking a question for, for mocks or assessments or so, and you're saying, well, actually, this would be a really, really high scoring answer if it was for question four or question five or question six, but you did it for question three. So, you know, seeing the skills, but not in the right place. That old chestnut of reading the question and actually answering the question is actually there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always see, I, I've got a blog post on that I wrote a long, long time ago about how to revise quotes for English. Mm. And um, year after year after year, there's a massive spike in web traffic to that one blog post the day before the English literature exam. So, you know, if I was going to give anybody any advice, you know, if you're trying to learn things off by heart, like quotes, mm. don't leave it till the night before. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. something you should be doing all the way through that's not very helpful if you're listening to this like six weeks before but if you've got six weeks six weeks you've got the time you know if you can if you can get your Spanish vocab or your German vocab or whatever you know you wouldn't kind of leave that you can get your English quotations um yeah. one one brilliant colleague I used to work with started in in year 10 with her class making them chant quotations from different texts and it became a bit of a, a kind of joke but then a bonding kind of process and come the exam they all knew those quotations definitely yeah, that's the old victorian rote learning <laughs> yeah just and it, i wasn't kind of sitting in serried ranks and doing it but you know she she would see them around in, in corridors and they would start you know quoting bits of romeo and juliet at her and just kind of like, there you go that you can you can have that but it did kind of make it a little bit more sort of interactive and everybody's got to do it so you know it enlists the help of a friend or so to say you know how many quotations can you think of you know go which this one works really well i mean one thing we'll look at in the masterclass is how to how to kind of basically make the ones you do know really work for you yeah because there's no point in kind of setting yourself massively unrealistic goals of saying well I need 50 quotations about Romeo when actually you might be able to do the job with five or six because you're making them work really really hard for you yeah I remember doing that because I did English A level and it just mm -hmm you know there were certain quotes that you used over and over and over again and you know if you select the right ones you can actually get away with quite a few you can't a, a, a small number <laughs> that's what I'm yeah. trying to say yeah. yeah okay so if there are parents out there who were worried and I know English language is one that parents really worry about because if students don't pass it they have to keep mm. taking it and they have to keep taking it. And a lot of people get really, really miserable because they're kind of stuck retaking, retaking. So if there are parents out there who want to know what they can do to help, have you got any pointers for them? Well, everybody for the English language exam has to take sort of um, a paper with some level of directed writing for writing to argue, persuade, advise, inform. Etc. Yeah. And I think this was a point that that Mr. Salas, who did the masterclasses for us that are already in the club, yeah. also makes really, really well. And I'm just I would very much recommend to anybody who's who's listening, who's thinking of joining the club or who's ever already members of the club. There are two brilliant videos that go through so much detail of, of the language and literature kind of revision there. They, they are excellent. But the point about. Um, how to help. We know that there's going to be these, these questions about 
kind of current or, or current affairs or sort of topics that teenagers are expected to have a view on without having studied it. So you're going to get questions like, you know, should zoos be banned? You know, talking about role models, talking about charity, talking about things about the environment. The exam boards generally tend to go for things that are not gender stereotypical, um, things that are, you know, that people will have a kind of core view on, even yeah. if they haven't really sat and thought about it. So having those conversations with your child to kind of say, OK, you know, well, what do you think? How could you develop out an argument on, on, you know, should we all be made to give more to charity? Should we do more? Should we, um, you know, how can we tackle a litter problem? Are the role models that we've got in the media worthwhile or are they kind of being a bad influence and just kind of edging ever forward in terms of, well, why? Rather than giving one answer, kind of keeping saying, well, what's your evidence for that? Can you support that? getting out of the the kind of really obvious things and, and using an old debating trick in fact like you know well are there financial implications for what you're saying are there health implications for what you're saying what are the implications for the environment because if you if you can get used to kind of thinking okay here's this topic what do i think about it how can i come up with something that's a little bit kind of not the obvious kind of one or two and can I support it that kind of style of thinking will help massively yeah. rather than looking at the question in the exam and kind of going well how am I meant to know about that well you're meant to have kind of thought about things and engaged with things beforehand um reading a, a pretty good um newspaper would also help or at least talking about that kind of issue and stories so I, when we're in the working in the club, one of the modules in the Extraordinaries Club is called Love Your Learning. And, you know, one of the biggest things I say to people is, you know, access the news on a regular basis. But then as a family, talk about what's in the news. So, you know, some of the things you've just been talking about there, like charity, you know, what's been going on with Ukraine as we're recording this, you know, there's huge amounts of work going on around charitable support for that so you could have conversations around you know the issues around the things that are going on in the news that kind of touch on and help young people to really develop their opinions and yeah yeah okay well I'm re really excited about this and um, as you've said we already have two really high quality masterclasses mm -hmm. in the club you know we've got some amazing testimonials from people about them you know one young man watched the English language one um, that Mr Sallows did the night before an exam and he went from a grade six to a grade nine overnight and I recently heard about somebody who'd watched the literature one and had gone from a grade six to a grade eight overnight literally so you know the content in there is really powerful you know even with a really short time to go but what we're trying to do with this new masterclass that you're delivering is really help people give some structure to what they can do with their time and how they can use those resources with the six weeks to go until their GCSE exams so it's really exciting and you know I, I just love to hear these success stories that people have had and you know we can't wait to <laughs> support more people to create those kind of stories because every time I hear them I do a little kind of yay <laughs> 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 it makes me very happy. 
it, it definitely is with, with the work that Mr. Salas has already done. It's very definitely kind of standing on the shoulders of giants. And I think if you're if you're listening to this and you are already a member of the club and your child hasn't gone and watched those videos, then, you know, I can't recommend them them highly enough. Um, what we what we as you say, we, what we're going to be doing is giving a chance to kind of pull everything together. Obviously, the, the masterclass will be live. So if you can come along and attend and, and ask any questions, then it's the time to kind of get your questions in or, or your specific kind of worries or issues and we'll we'll take it from there really yeah and if you're an existing member you know if you want to drop a a um, note in the facebook group just saying what it what you'd like to be covered or if you've got any questions then we can try and incorporate that yeah, into absolutely. yeah so it's on the 5th of april at 6 p.m it will That's be really right. and it's going to cover all the examples basically isn't it 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 will because i know that although there is a, a huge kind of swell of aqa out there there's also edexcel there's wjc there's ocr um there are also the igcses with with different specs and i mean the great thing is that that actually the the skills are you know, applicable to all of the exam boards, but it's working out how you unpick exactly what your guys want for your particular exam. And that's that's what's going to be a big focus of this particular session, isn't it? Okay, well, I'm really excited about it, Helen. Thank you for coming along and giving us a little bit of information about it, but also giving people some direction today about how they can approach their GCSE English revision. Thank you so much for listening or watching, everybody. Have a wonderful day and goodbye.